I, uh, I, was, I grew up in the 70s and early 80s, and one of the things that happened then was there became this, this fad, this almost uh, obsession with truck driving. It was in the songs that we listened to. It was in the movies we watched. Uh, and, and that fit me perfectly because my dad was a truck driver, so I'm, I watched every movie. I watched Breaker Breaker. I watched Convoy. I knew all the, all the worst of the song Convoy. I watched Smokey and the Bandit 1, Smokey and the Bandit 2, Smokey and the Bandit 3. That's where uh, I learned profanity, and my mom always apologized for it, but she let me watch it, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and... I watched every episode of this TV show that came on CBS on Saturday nights called BJ and the Bear. BJ drove a red 18-wheeler Kenworth, and the bear was a chimpanzee that rode with him. And BJ's motto was, I'll take anything, anywhere, no questions asked for a dollar a mile. And on one episode... This woman told him, contacted him, asked him if that was true. He said yes. She said, well, can you leave so I can load your truck up without, without you seeing it? And, and he said, sure. And so he, he got there the next morning, and she was in the cab ready to go. And he said, where are we going? And she gave him the address. She wouldn't even tell him where they were going. She would just tell him the state. And any time the question came up about the load, she just said, you said no questions asked. And... The, the tension builds throughout the show, and, and, and he begins to wonder. The police are trying to stop him, and, and just strange people, very violent people are trying to stop him. But because he's driving an 18-wheel Kenworth, he keeps getting away. When I rode with my dad, by the way, uh, I was so disappointed. We crashed through no gates. I was like, surely we're going to crash through at least one gate. But no, that never that happened to every show. Um, and... Then finally she gives him the city, and then she tells him the building, and he has to drive her straight downtown. And, uh, and you're wondering, by this point you're just at a fever pitch wondering, what is so important in this truck? And uh, she gets out behind the, uh, the, the federal courthouse, and she walks up where people are waiting on her, and she said it was me. I was the secret all along. There's nothing in the back of your truck. There is this mystery um, that's within all of us, this deep desire to know truth, to know the secret, to, not, to have the knowledge, the knowledge that's going to explain life, the knowledge that's going to explain why I'm part of life, the knowledge that's going to explain to me all the things that are going on around me that I can't control. In uh, ancient Greece, they called that knowledge the gnosis, the gnosis. In 2021 America, they called it the Q. I, I, I don't know, you know what it's been called all the years in between, but I know that there's this feverish desire to know that thing that we don't know that that's going to explain, that's going to unlock. In the, in the 90s, it was the, you know, the secret prayers. Uh, it was the Da Vinci Code. It was the, you fill in the blank. And that, that secret, that desire to know the secret that's going to explain everything is in the Bible. 
the Apostle John writes about it. He calls it the Logos. And, and in, first, in John chapter 1, he says, the Logos has always been. The Logos is, was at the creation. The Logos was, is the light and the life of men. And then he turns everything to say, the Logos dwelt among us, enfleshed, and we beheld him. He was a person. This secret was Jesus, the Son of God. That is the knowledge. That is what we, we, we desire to know. We desire to know him. The New Testament is very clear that to know Jesus is to have life and joy and hope and fulfillment and love. It, to know Jesus is to, ex, to experience uh, delight, to experience acceptance, to experience security. To know Jesus is to, to know that you are in the favor of the Father. The, the New Testament teaches us that there is a secret, and that secret is a person. The secret to life is knowing God. And the question is, do you know him? And if the Bible teaches us clearly, this passage teaches us clearly, if you want to grow in peace and joy, if you want to grow in, in your security both with life and with your eternal destiny, if you want to, to know that you are a God's delight, grow in your knowledge of him. Know the secret, know the truth, and know him. And, and the question that Peter asks us is, in this text is, are you growing in that knowledge? He says to us, uh, add to your virtue knowledge. But there's more than that. If you look at the whole text, we're going to read the, 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 a longer version of the text today. I want you to notice all the times he talks about knowing and knowledge, and especially how many times he talks about not forgetting, don't forget, and, and how many times he talks about reminding, my, my purpose in life is reminding. Now, I love the fact that y'all are all forgetful, it gives me job security, because my only job is to remind you, is to remind you, and that seems to be the only purpose that Second Peter was written for, to remind you. Please stand as we read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 15. And I'll try to emphasize it a little bit, but notice all the times that knowledge and reminding and forgetting are brought up. Hear the word of the Lord. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our Je of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us very precious and great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. This far the reading of God's holy word. All men are like grass, and all of our glories like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. Uh, the Bible teaches us that the, the key to life, the key to growth, the key to, to being secure and confident, the key to joy and hope is to know Christ, to know him. That is uh, the, the thing. The, the Apostle Peter here is writing this letter late in his life. He's heading towards Rome. He knows. He knows that his death is soon. And, and as older people do, he's worried for his children. He's worried that they're going to forget. And so he stirs them up to remember, and he reminds them again and again that the knowledge of Jesus is the only thing that matters. And that's not an exaggeration. The Apostle Paul says that. He says, I've counted everything as a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. I want to know God and the fellowship of his suffering that I might attain to the resurrection of the body. The secret, he says, is to know Jesus and to have life in that. And he tells us why. He says, well, he tells us what, what we must remember. We, we, we need to remember that we have been forgiven for our past sins. And in doing that, I want you to see something. I want you to see the nature of Christianity. That, that Christianity is first and foremost, it is a declaration of truth that you receive, and because you believe it, you act upon it. That's the way all truth is. If you believe truth, you act upon it, whatever it is. It could be an alarm, you know, car alarm's going off, but you don't believe your car's being stolen, so you push your button and you don't even look, right? Tornado alarm goes off. Be concerned about that one. You turn on the TV. You don't go to your... You, know, you don't go to your safe room, you turn on your television, or if you're like most men, at least, you go outside and look for it, right? Because <laughs> that's safe. But you want to know, is this true? Is there a true danger out there? that I, if, there, if I believe the truth, I'll act on it. If I'm still questioning the truth, I'll look around for it. And, and, and we act on it by, by turning away from the th- things that lead us to death and by turning to Christ. And by trusting him, and, and sometimes that's confusing to those who watch from the outside and they, they see Christianity from the outside and they think it's primarily about the things you do, the things you stop doing and the things you start doing. But that's, that's not true. Those things do happen, but they happen because of what we've heard and what we've believed. 
And what we've heard and believed is that the Son of God has come and He has inaugurated a new kingdom. He's defeated death. He's defeated the, the, the cynicism, the darkness that this entire world was spinning into. And He's bringing a new kingdom and a new life, a new creation. And, and the, the picture that, you know, in a world made, that made sense in a world that was, you know, pre-internet, pre-newspapers, pre-mass uh, communication. If you lived in a village and, and someone came into that village and said, you know, the, the Persians have defeated the Babylonians. We're all Persians now. I mean, you'd have to decide. Do you believe that or not? If you believed it, you would, I don't know, take down the Babylonian flag and put up the Persian flag. I don't, you would respond accordingly. I'm not exactly sure what that would look like. But, and, and the message is that, that Christ has come and he's defeated sin. And he's defeated death. And so we take down the flags that we had up and we, we follow him. If you believe it, you act accordingly. And, and the second thing we see from this is that the truth is a person that he is all those things, that he is the new creation, that he is the new king, that he is the the true water that quenches our thirst. He is the true bread that satisfies our hunger, that he is the, the resurrection and the life, that he is the true light and the true way. And, and that's hard to kind of get your mind around. It's hard for the disciples, even at the very end, the very night before he went to the cross. They still didn't get it. And they're asking, and and Thomas is saying, will you just tell us where you're going so we'll know the way? I am the way, he responds. I am the way. Knowing me, I am the knowledge. I am what you were carrying, BJ. It's not what's in the back of the truck, it's me. I'm the truth. And, our, and, and so we, we know and we respond, but we know and respond to Him. We know Him and we respond. And Peter wants us to remember that. And he wants us to grow in that knowledge. And he, he, he explains for us some of the ways that it's important to remember. It's important. He's concerned that you're going to forget. He's concerned that you're not going to grow in this knowledge. And, and, and as you forget, you're going to forget who you are. He, he says it's important to grow so that you come to maturity. Uh, Ephesians 4 says that, that the world is a strange place and there's all kinds of weird doctrines in it. And those doctrines are going to blow you right and left. And so you need to come to maturity. That's why you need the, the church and you need elders and you need pastors and teachers so that you can come to maturity. And not be blown around. And not be wondering what's new. You know, if someone comes to you and says they found a secret in the Bible, you can be like, no, I don't think so. Been around for a long time. I think the secret would have been found. Um, he says that you need to know the truth to protect you from false prophets. Second Peter 2 is a terrible chapter of the Bible. It's awful if you're a pastor. Uh, because he describes the false prophets who are going to come and the, the destruction that's waiting for them. And you need to know that's true. You need to know that not everybody who claims to be a pastor 
is trustworthy. Not everyone who is a pastor is trustworthy. Uh, I read this terrifying book a few years ago called The Sociopath Next Door. And uh, she says one in 25 people are a sociopath. They have no conscience, feel no guilt for anything. And, uh, it's, you know, obviously some of them are murderers, but you don't have to worry about those. You kind of know if a murderer is a murderer. Um, but the, the ones you have to worry about are the ones who are just kind of out in the world and living off people and taking their money without any guilt, any sense of that they're doing something wrong. And, uh, and she says that, that what sociopaths desire more than anything else is power over people, control. And the number one profession for sociopaths is pastor. Because you get people who listen to you and let you control them. And you need to, to be, be growing in this truth so that you have alarm bells in your head. And when people are calling you to, to greater and greater allegiance to them, when people are telling you that you have to submit to them and, and, and be under them and do what they say because they've said it, that should begin to make you feel uneasy. You need to be growing in the truth. You need to be growing in the truth. You need to be growing in the truth because, man, because you need to get off the roller coaster of wondering what God thinks of you or how you're doing. You need to get off that roller coaster. Most people who are in the church are kind of on this roller coaster mentality, and and when they have, um, you know, when they have four quiet times in a row, which would be a record for me. Or when they, uh, you know, go to church five times in a, in, in a row, they, they, they think that they're on top of the world and God is close to them and he's proud of them and he likes them. And then when they, you know, watch a bad movie to his conclusion or when they quit reading the Bible or when they yell at their kids or when they um, spend money they don't have or whatever it is that throws you into a spiral, they think they're going down and they can't trust God and God's angry at them. And, and you just need to know better than that. You need to get off that roller coaster. You need to be confident in God's love. He says we grow in truth because it protects us from apostasy. The people who've gone away, the people who've fallen away from the truth, the people who've fallen away from the church, they've forgotten. They've forgotten what God has done for them. They've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten that they've been cleansed from their sins. This, this con- uh, the connection between knowing the truth and growing in the truth and refusing, the connection between refusing to grow in the truth and apostasy comes up both here and in Hebrews. Now, apostasy is a long word. You know what it means? It means to walk away from the gospel, right? To walk away from Christ. And whenever I talk about it, people get scared. Um, but the Bible talks about it, so I have to talk about it to you. And, the number one question that scared people ask is, have I done that? And I want you to know you haven't. Because nobody who's ever committed apostasy is ever worried about whether or not they've committed apostasy. They just walk away. They just go. And if you worry, maybe I'm committing it, maybe I'm in the process of it, well, good news. You can always come back. We'll be here. We'll be here. But what makes you walk away, what makes you abandon the church and the truth is that you forget. You forget the, the life you have here. You forget the hope and the joy. You forget that you've been forgiven and washed. 
the list is long. You, you need to grow in your knowledge of Christ because it will protect you from bitterness. It'll protect you from bitterness. Life is hard, and life throws hard things at everybody. And every one of you are going to experience hard things. You're going to experience uh, job loss and heartbreak and abandonment, abandonment by friends and, and death of loved ones. You're all going to experience it. And if you haven't been growing in your knowledge of the Lord, well, it's like a, a man sitting on his deathbed one time looked at his wife, and he was reminiscing with her, and he said, you know, when I lost my job, you were there. Yeah, honey. That time the burglar broke in and, and stole everything we had, you were there. Yes, honey, I was there. When our son got sick and almost died, you were there. Yep, honey, I was there. When uh, that time I got shot, you were there for me. I was there. And he looked at her in the eyes and said, you know what? What, honey? I think you're bad luck. I mean, if you don't know the Lord, you're going to one day or another look at him and say, you could have stopped this and you didn't. And you don't love me. That's, that's going to be a grave temptation to you. I guarantee it. And the only thing that's going to save you from that and get you through those dark valleys is knowing him. Knowing him. Um, let's say one of you ran up to me and you said, I I'm concerned about your wife. And I said, why? She said, I, I, saw, I saw her at dinner with a strange man. Okay, I guess. She went to dinner with somebody. What are you worried about? Well, I think she's having an affair. I would say, gee, she's not. We could look at the same events, but I'm going to interpret them differently because I know her. I know she doesn't have time or energy for that. You know, I saw her, I saw her slapping a child. I'd say, well, I guess the child had a mosquito on her cheek because that's not her. She doesn't do that. I know her. When the dark days come, do you know Jesus well enough? Do you know the Father well enough to know that he gave his only son for you and you can trust him? You need to grow in your knowledge of him so that you can interpret life safely and correctly. If you know Jesus and you're growing in your knowledge of him, it will protect you from anxiety because you know he loves you and has your best interest in mind. It protects you from depression because you know that the darkest of all nights led to the resurrection and you can walk with him through that darkness because he's going to bring you out on the other side if you know him. And grow in that knowledge of him. If you grow in that knowledge of him. Well, how do we do that? That's a great question. And the, and the answer is, you never stop learning. You never stop learning. And, and I know what you're thinking right now. You're saying, Ricky, you keep going back and forth. Is this knowledge about Jesus or is it knowledge of Jesus? Right? You're having that question, aren't you? Come on, no. And I want to ask you, do you really think it's any different? Think of anybody you're in a relationship with. You really care about them. You want to develop this friendship. You want to develop that relationship. Do you ever stop learning about them? Ever. No. 
If you are really closely, intimately related to, to your friend, then you know everything about him from what he feared when he was a child to how he slept last night. Don't you? And when you stop asking questions, when you stop caring to learn more, that's when the relationship starts dying, right? Is it not? And the same is true with Jesus. If you ever stop caring to learn more, that relationship's going to start dying. And you don't know it all. So you read and you study. And you set up regular habits. What does Peter fear in this text? He keeps saying, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. Don't forget. Don't forget. Grow in this knowledge. Don't forget. You get the idea he's worried about something that you're going to forget. And so we set up habits. And we come to church together and to be reminded. And we pray at certain times during the day. And we read the Bible at certain times during the day because we want to know him better. We don't want to forget. Now, one of my wife's favorite children's books, that she, uh, well, she keeps reading it, so I guess it's not for the kids. We can't blame it on them anymore. It's called The Silver Chair. In this book, this girl's about to go on this mission, and she's on top of a cliff on this mountain, and and she's getting reminded and reminded, and her teacher tells her, keep saying the signs to me, say the signs, say them. And she gets bored, and she says, why do I have to keep remembering? And he says, because the air is clear up here, and you're going to remember. But when you get down there, the air will be thick. And we live amongst the thick air, don't we? A place where it's easy to forget that God exists, and very easy to forget that he is involved with our lives and cares about the details of our life. We live in thick air. And we won't remember on our own. That was, so, that was made so clear to me at my sister's funeral. And I was so mad that the Lord took her away. And I just couldn't. I found myself really on this precipice of not being able to believe that I would ever see her again. But Christian after Christian and friend after friend kept reminding me of the resurrection, and it became so clear to me that I would never maintain a faith on my own. I need a community. I need friends around me to remind me. That's why we study together. That's why we worship together. Because this knowledge is life, and it's too valuable to lose. I want you to know him. I don't want you to forget him. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, to know Christ is to know life, and we pray that you would make him clearer and clearer to us. We bring our hearts to you because we want to know him. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.